This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on insurance. Today I'd like to speak about the importance of the union or standard mortgage clause to every first party property claim where mortgage is secured by the property that is the subject of the claim. Since properties are frequently, if not mostly, encumbered by mortgages, most first-party property policies contain provisions that protect the mortgagee's interest in the event the insured property is damaged or destroyed. These clauses protect the security interest the mortgage holder has in the property. Historically, there have been two types of mortgage clauses. One, a loss payable or open mortgage clause, which only provides that loss shall be payable to the mortgagee as interest may appear. Most courts have construed the phrase as interest may appear as referring not to the mortgagee's interest in the insured property, but rather to the amount of debt owed to it secured by the mortgage or deed of trust. Two, the standard or union mortgage clause, Form 438BFUNS, which states, in addition to the loss payable provisions, that the mortgagee's interest in the proceeds of the policy shall not be invalidated by any act or neglect of the mortgagor. Therefore, if the property owner burns down his house, he doesn't collect, but the person holding his mortgage can still collect up to the amount of the security interest, that is, the amount owing on the loan. Where an insurer issues a policy, knowing that the property is subject to a mortgage, and in fact, the policy itself contains a standard mortgage clause extending coverage to mortgage holders, there is no added risk. At the time the policy was issued, it was foreseeable that a mortgagee would take possession and control of the property in the event of a default. The Union Mortgage Clause in an insurance policy creates a separate contract between the mortgagee and the insurer. A standard mortgage clause creates an independent contract between the insurer and the mortgagee that prevents the mortgagee's interest from being invalidated by the conduct of the mortgagor, the person borrowing money from the mortgagee. In Canada, Royal Bank attempted to enforce its mortgage rights against people it had named as defendants in lawsuit. While the defendants did not dispute that the mortgage was valid and in default, they argued, among other things, that the plaintiff and third-party Royal Bank insurance negligently misrepresented the nature and quality of insurance sold at the Royal Bank's branch. The defendants alleged that the Royal Bank and Royal Bank Insurance violated legal requirements 
regarding the provision of insurance products as the plaintiffs had not obtained the applicable license. Factual issues remain for a determination by trial, so the Royal Bank was unable to enforce the mortgage. This was Royal Bank of Canada versus Mujagic, a 2009 decision of the Ontario Supreme Court. If, in general, under the simple loss payable clauses, the mortgagee is merely an appointee of the insured to the insurance proceeds, the mortgagee's rights follow those of the mortgagor, the named insured, and if the mortgagor, the named insured, intentionally sets fire to his property and his claim is denied, so is the claim of the mortgagee. If the insured has no interest in the property so that the policy is void as against public policy, his or her mortgagee acquires no rights against the insurer by reason of a loss payable clause. A plaintiff seeking to recover under an insurance policy's loss payable clause may recover against the insurer as a third-party beneficiary of the loss payable clause, and to that extent only. To do so, plaintiff must allege that the amount of damages being claimed exceeds the unpaid principal balance at the time of loss, thus potentially entitling plaintiff as a borrower to residual amounts as a simple loss payee. Under a standard mortgage clause, an independent or separate contractor undertaking exists between the mortgagee and the insurer, which contract is measured by the terms of the mortgage clause itself. There are accordingly two contracts of insurance, the one with the mortgagee and the other with the mortgagor. Furthermore, while all clauses of an insurance contract should be construed together, and the provisions of a mortgage clause must be read together and harmonized with the balance of the policy, when reasonably possible, the mortgage clause must prevail in the case of an irreconcilable conflict between it and other provisions of the policy. That is, insofar as the provisions of the policy are inconsistent with and antagonistic to the mortgage clause protecting the interest of the mortgagee, they must be regarded as inapplicable in determining the mortgagee's rights. This was International Surplus Lines versus Associates Commercial Group, a 1987 decision of the Alabama Supreme Court. A breach of policy provisions by the named insured will deprive both the insured and the mortgagee of any right to the proceeds of the policy if there is only a simple loss payable clause. For example, if the mortgagor commits arson and by that act forfeits his right to recover, the mortgagee also cannot recover because the simple loss payable clauses do not adequately protect the mortgagee's interest in the property. The use of the standard or union mortgage clause has become more prevalent over time, and very few lenders would ever agree 
to a simple loss payable clause. Almost every commercial lender will demand a union mortgage clause, if not a specific demand for a Form 438 BFUNS. Where a loss precedes the foreclosure, the rule is different since the mortgagee may satisfy the mortgage indebtedness by two different means. He may recover up to the limits of the policy the full amount of the mortgage debt under the standard mortgage clause, or satisfy the mortgage debt through foreclosure, and then recover the balance due if there is any under the insurance policy as owner. In contrast to the simple loss payable clause, the courts generally have construed the standard mortgage clause as a separate insurance contract between the insurer and the mortgagee. A substantial body of case law discusses the relative rights and obligations of the insurer and mortgagee under this clause. If there's a dispute over one or more clauses dealing with the interest of a mortgagee, it would be prudent to review the case law in the jurisdiction where the loss occurred with regard to the language of the appropriate loss payable or mortgage clause. Holders of a union or standard mortgage clause must be careful in the event of a loss not to foreclose and make a full credit bid at the foreclosure sale. The mortgagee's purchase of the insured property at foreclosure does not enlarge the mortgagee's insurable interest under the union mortgage clause. Rather, purchasing the property for the full amount of the mortgage debt actually extinguishes its insurable interest under the union mortgage clause. The existence of a union mortgage clause does not preserve coverage on a policy that is terminated because the entire debt has been extinguished. In Liberty Insurance Company versus Shaw, a 2021 decision of the Northern District of Alabama, U.S. Bank, despite a century's worth of precedent about full credit bidding and a growing amount of third-party warnings against the practice, including one from the American Association of Private Lenders, U.S. Bank decided to place a full credit bid on property worth nowhere near that amount. U.S. Bank thought the mortgage might offer a reprieve. It didn't. U.S. Bank recovered nothing from the insurer under the mortgage clause because it no longer had an interest by Paying a full credit bid, it wiped out the entire mortgage. Also, when mortgagee purchases the property at a foreclosure sale, he or she is no longer the mortgagee, but rather the owner. He or she will be allowed recovery as an insured and owner if the foreclosure was before the loss, but not if it was after the loss. The same rule applies where the mortgagee forecloses after a loss, although this case its recovery is limited to the difference between the foreclosure sale price and the unpaid debt. Therefore, 
prudent mortgage holders will determine the amount necessary to rebuild the structure after a loss and then at foreclosure make a bid that is, leaves open the amount necessary to rebuild. Then they can recover at least up to that amount. The language of the standard fire policy and the standard mortgage clause suggests two conditions preceding to recovery. One, that the claimant possesses a mortgagee interest, and two, the claimant is designated as mortgagee in the policy. Only those with a mortgage lien or deeds of trust similar to and partaking of the nature of a mortgage can benefit under the standard mortgage clause. Non-mortgage creditors, such as conditional vendors and judgment or lien creditors, may not recover, since the clause makes a condition to recovery the fact that the claimant has a mortgage on the property. In circumstances where an insurer individually or through its agent knew that the claimant was erroneously named in the policy as a mortgagee, the insurer would be stopped from raising the defense that the claimant may not recover after a loss because he or she is not a mortgagee. In a case where an insurer paid more than required to rebuild the property by agreeing to pay the builder for the reconstruction work, all parties agreed to use the insurance proceeds to rebuild the property to its original specifications. A dispute arose as to the proper distribution of the profit and overhead payments paid by the insurer. The insurer provided a builder's risk insurance policy to the builder, not a policy for mortgage insurance. A builder's risk insurance policy is only in place during construction and protects a contractor or owner from a loss for a project under construction. Once the owner accepts the property, coverage ends. The appellant bore the risk of loss in this case while the project was under construction. The bank also had some interest in the builder's risk insurance proceeds. As mortgagee, the bank's interest was limited to the amount of the mortgage debt. Most courts agree that a mortgagee's recovery and insurable interest are limited to the amount of debt secured by the insured property. This interest was protected in the policy with the mortgage clause endorsement, which provides that loss on the project shall be payable to the bank as interest may appear. This statement, however, does not change the fact that the builder bore the risk of loss. The interest of the bank as mortgagee is derived from the mortgage itself in relation to the construction contract. In a sense, the bank was looking for a double recovery. While the owner defaulted on the mortgage, the owner did deliver a finished and accepted project. The bank's security interest in the construction of the project was satisfied by the completion of the project, allowing the bank to keep the excess insurance proceeds for damages incurred and repaired during construction would allow the bank to pay down the mortgage debt with money to which it had no claim. 
Mortgagees often get into trouble by making a full credit bid at a foreclosure sale. A full or partial extinguishment of a mortgage debt, whether prior or subsequent to loss, precludes to the extent thereof any recovery on a loss by the loss payable mortgagee. This is Rosenbaum versus von Cannon a 1962 decision of the Ninth Circuit, citing with approval various other cases. An exception to the rule exists when because two lenders were not responsible for the placement of a full credit bid in the course of foreclosure proceedings. On any of four loans, the full credit bid rule is inapplicable to the calculation of damages. The lender's only interest in the property is the repayment of the debt secured by the mortgage. The lender's interest is satisfied by a full credit bid at foreclosure and any other payment, like from an insurer, would result in a double recovery. Therefore, a full credit bid at foreclosure sale establishes the value of the liened property as being equal to the outstanding indebtedness and the non-existence of any impairment of the security. Under the full credit bid rule, a foreclosing lender that has purchased the real property security for such a bid is precluded from pursuing further claims to recoup its debt. Because the bid is established, the foreclosed property is equal in value to the debt, which therefore has been satisfied. As a result of full credit bid, the lender is not entitled to insurance proceeds. This video was adapted from my book, Zelma on Insurance Claims, Part 101, Third Edition which is available as both a Kindle book and as a paperback from Amazon.com. If you found this video to be interesting or useful to your colleagues, please pass it on. It's free. And please also subscribe to my YouTube channel and my Rumble channel. Clicking on the Like button or the Rumble button as you do. And also subscribe to my blog, my Substack publications, and my files on Locals. Thank you for your attention.